Hey, as we know, you got to be careful with schools and what they teach your kids, but there are good ones out there. And here's testimony of that. I have a granddaughter, four years old, and she goes to preschool, and this is what they taught her. It it brought a tear to my eye. It, It was so delicate and sensitive and sincere. All right, let's see if I can get this up here now. Are you ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, had a divine name. My kingdom comes, my will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. By the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That that was just beautiful when I heard it. The school, the preschool taught her that. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So investigate your schools, no matter what they are, from preschool to colleges before you enter those doors. Now, the story of drug addiction is pretty much the same for addicts. Uh, along with the parents and families. Everybody goes through the same scenarios and process. And for us who went through it, it is not pretty. It is hurtful, harmful, destructive, and in some cases, it's deadly. And unfortunately, it seems that we all have somebody involved in it, whether it's a friend, a friend of a friend, somebody at work, an acquaintance, a family member, or even you yourself. Today, I have a guest who went through this hellish experience and came out on the other side. And he's been here before. His name is Patrick, man. What's happening? How's it going, Robert? Good seeing you again. Oh, it's fantastic to be back. Thank you very much. And that was a great, that was a beautiful thing with your granddaughter. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you better keep her in that school, I'll tell you what. Yeah, it matters. It matters. It's a huge influence all day long, you yes. know? You're, you're pretty t- I just noticed you're pretty tall. How tall are you? Uh... Tall enough. <laughs> yeah, a good height. Are you around five, six? Five eleven. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm shrinking. That's why you look taller. That's why everybody looks taller than me. Um, well, we might as well start from the very beginning. Uh, did you have, and did you come from a happy family or a broken family? Tell me. I definitely came from a very happy, loving, and supportive family. Um, both my parents gave me a lot of love and support. They raised me the right way. They taught me, you know, manners and. Um, tried to give me the best opportunities in life. Now, was there a crisis of some kind that set you off in a drug and alcohol direction? Because sometimes I hear of maybe sometimes a a marriage breaking up, a loved one's death, or a rape, for instance, that triggers somebody into a downward spiral. Yeah, so with me, no, none of that stuff happened. Uh, I think the... I think... Mostly it was me wanting to fit in. Um, I did move around a lot as a kid, and um, growing up uh, in middle school, I felt like I, I, I wasn't connecting with you know the quote-unquote cool kids. And uh, as I got a little bit older, I started hanging out with um, people that were you know experimenting with drugs and alcohol, and uh, I just I fell in love with the feeling that it gave me. It made, it, it gave me a sense of belonging and, um, you know, the effects of the high or, or the, the drink. Uh, I f- like I said, I fell in love with it. And um, it just uh, continually progressed and got out of control to where I was physically addicted to harder drugs as I got older. You, usually somebody starts a drug life with cigarettes and pot. What age did you begin it and why? I started around 16 um, with, with pot and alcohol and um cigarettes too and uh as i got older I, I after i finished high school i went to business school and i started partying and experimenting with uh a little bit harder drugs like cocaine and heroin but initially when you tried the pot it, it felt as though you found gold well yeah just i felt i felt like i belonged and i felt um like i was connecting with everybody and it gave me confidence so like I said, I, I just fell in love with the feeling and and being around people. It gave me confidence. So um, it it was I didn't know what I was in for at the time, but it was it was leading me down the wrong path. So 
Okay, so initially, early on, you relied on the nicotine and marijuana to essentially medicate you so you could function better in society. Yeah, you could say that. And that's a very bad lesson to learn, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you didn't have any God influence of any kind at that time? Oh, no, actually I did. As a matter of fact, um, my parents, they raised me Presbyterian. Um, we went to Sunday school as a, as a child. Um, I actually learned all my uh, multiplication and um, times tables in a church basement. Uh, my mother was uh, very active in the church. She donated um, to the food pantry there. And um, I always had a a strong sense of God. As I got older, I, I questioned Christianity, as, as you know from the previous um, time I was on here. But uh, I, I definitely had... Um, I ha I've always had a, a strong sense of God, but as I got older and ex and started using harder drugs, I, I kind of lost my way. And it started as simple as somebody at a party saying, Hey, Pat, come here. Why don't you try this? Pretty much, yeah, you could say that. And, and you may have said, well, what is it? And he probably said, ah, it's okay, I take it all the time, it's not going to hurt you, you'll feel so good. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> basically it, you know. That is so dangerous. Yeah, it is. Uh, especially nowadays, it's so so much easier. And growing up as a kid, it was it was easier to get drugs than it was to get cigarettes. And um, you know, uh, my parents they used to not come home for a few hours after after school. So um, I used to party right after school, and then. Like I said, as I got older, I, I would be trying to, to get high or drunk all day long, every day. That, that's, the, that's the disease and the sickness. It starts out weekends, maybe once a week during the week, maybe every other day, and then it's every freaking day. I yeah. shouldn't have said that word, but every day. Yeah, it can completely took over my life. You know, Nothing was more important to me than, than chasing that high. It was like a girlfriend, basically. Better than a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And something you could always rely on in your mind to take you out of any kind of craziness going on in your life. Right. Um, you know, in the in the AA program, they say that um, we don't have a drug problem. We have a personality problem or um, character defects, whatever it may be, frustration or um, loneliness or... Um, whatever, um, like you said before, um, going through a crisis, and we use the drugs or alcohol to fill that void. And now, how do you fill the fill the void? With God. Thank you. Oh, I don't know how many times I say that. Yeah. And people just don't get that. You know, when you're when you're feeling a little bit crazy and wild, and you start spiral spiraling out of control, and you feel it inside, anxiety and worry and just everything. Run to that book. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so you talked about uh, the dangerous drugs that you took, and I think we all know them by now. It makes you paranoid, right? Um, yeah. When uh, my my early to mid twenties, I uh, was really uh, addicted to heroin, and heroin is more of a, a physical uh, addiction where. If you don't have it, you get physically sick and you can't really function at all. Um, as I got older, I, I knew I had to get off the heroin because I had two of my closest friends pass away from drug overdoses. And uh, I switched to methamphetamine, which is uh, a complete opposite feeling of heroin. And uh, as you said, it makes you very paranoid, schizophrenic. Like someone's trying to kill you. All the time, yeah. You see, you what kind of life is that, man? Yeah, it's terrible. Now thinking back, you know, the things that I did, and it's like, what was I thinking? But uh, thank God that, you know, I'm here today talking to you. And hopefully, um, if there's anybody out there listening, they can uh, get something from our conversation. And you provide hope because you made it through. It is possible. I'm here today with uh, Patrick. If you want to give a call, the number is 833-707-7900. We're talking about drug addiction and alcohol. People don't want to talk about it, but don't you think we should? The number again is 833 707 7900 and thank you patrick for having the courage to be honest with us um i'm overwhelmed with gratitude that you asked me to come on and hopefully some somebody out there that's struggling can hear it and and get the help they need so probably without you even knowing it you became addicted mentally and physically to these drugs that were slowly taken over your life 
You didn't have a conscience effect, a conscious effect, or or, or a. You didn't recognize the fact that it, this process was happening to you. You just went with the flow and kept doing it. Yeah, before I knew it, it was it was just totally engulfed. Like I said, um, it, especially with the heroin, um, you wake up, it's the first thing you think about, how you're going to get your fix all day long. You're trying to get some, and then it's the last thing you think of before you go to sleep, and then you're dreaming about it. It's a 24-7 vicious cycle. And when I went through it with my son and parents in general, we don't understand that. Right. Yeah. You know, my, my parents, uh, my mother, especially she was besides herself trying to help me and she's done, she did everything she could to try to, um, help me get off. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen the show intervention, but, um, at one point, you know, my family tried doing that and, you know, nothing was working. And, um, it's, uh, it's just a miracle that, that I'm still alive through after all that I've been through. And I'm just so happy to, to, um, try to, Make make something of my life and and make amends with my family. So naturally, you became the profile for a person addicted to drugs, where you started to sell uh, personal possessions for money. You you stole and even dealt uh, to make money to buy and then take drugs. Excuse me, yourself. You even went into the bad areas of Philadelphia. Yeah, down in Kensington. You know, it, it's like I said before. It was a miracle that I'm still alive today. Uh, I've done very many disgraceful things to uh, support my habit. Um, just to give you a, a sense of how out of control I was, I had a great job in the union. I helped build the PPL Center, and I was making over $1,000 a week. And uh, by Wednesday, I was, you know, cash and change at the coin star and um, selling drugs just to support my habit. That's how out of control I was. And that's an important point because... As parents, again, we think, well, once this happens, he'll change. Once that happens, he'll change. You know, getting a good job, getting on his feet, getting money and feeling self-esteem. And uh, once he gets a girlfriend, you know, once he gets married, none of that. I had all of that. And nothing happened. It never works. Right. Yeah. Many girlfriends, many jobs, still addicted, Um, in and out of jail, you know, basically my whole adult life. So now, yeah. ma- now many parents find out about their kids' addiction after it's too late, after the wheels have been in motion. When did your parents find out that there's a major problem going on here, and did they know how to help you? Uh, well, I'll try to answer that question as thoroughly as I can. My mother, um, she was very concerned about me. Right from the start, even in high school, um, I remember one time she found some pot and she made me flush it down the toilet. Um, as I got older and in uh, harder drugs, and she found like uh, paraphernalia for you know syringes and things like that. You know, she did everything she could. She tried kicking me out. She tried um, you know taking me to counseling, um, talking to my grandparents. Um, I've been in. I've gone to three rehabs now, and. Um, you know, it, my addiction was so out of control when I went to the first rehab, you know, the entire time I was there, I was just plotting on how I was going to get high the day I got out. So you were homeless. Yeah, in the middle but of the wintertime. But you didn't time. care. No. As long as... As long as I could get that next fix. Yeah. Lordy, lordy, lordy. And with prolonged use of drugs, uh, usually jail time becomes a factor. And you mentioned you were in and out of jail? Yeah, um... And it was a, it was kind of a bittersweet thing because jail was good for me in, in the fact that it would get me clean and get my mind clear, and I would get some time to think. But I, for some reason, every time I got out, I would always go back to the same people. But one good thing about jail, it does force you to be clean and prove to yourself that you can function without it, correct? Yes, um... You know, I spent most of my time when I would be locked up uh, working out, uh, studying religion, and um, helping people with law work. I studied the law a lot, and that's how I um, kept myself busy and um, uh, took care of myself when, you know, I burned all my bridges and, you know, my family stopped uh, sending me money or whatever. But um, like I said, the... My problem was I would get out of jail and I would go back to the same people, the same places. It never occurred to you to stay in the direction that you had in prison, reading, getting smart, helping people. 
Yeah. Now there would be a couple times where I would do good for a few weeks or a few months, but like I said, it was very hard for me to break those old habits. The drug keeps calling you back. Yeah. And, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's, uh, he's really renowned for, um, talking about the science of addiction and, um, how, how, like the, what the, how the brain processes it and how we can break those connections and and uh, overcome addiction. And like me and many parents, we just thought it was a self-discipline problem. That, hey, if you had the discipline and the self-control, you could stop. But it's not that easy. Yeah, like my father and my grandmother, would, would they just didn't understand. They were like, why can't you just stop? Why can't you just stop? And it's just a lot more complicated than that. Now, after years of this drugging lifestyle, you had a turning point moment at a rehab with some kind of talent show? Yeah, so, um, well, also, I, I, I wanted to add, to that um, in my religion, there, there's a prayer that we make, and uh, it's in the, the last in third Islam. of the night. Yes, Islam. yes, it's called the Tashud Prayer, and it's, the you rise in the middle of the night to make the prayer, and it says that, verily, rising... By night for the prayer is very hard and most potent and good for governing the soul and most suitable for understanding the word of God. So that that to me that's an open heartfelt sincere prayer and I'm and I made this prayer to God. Please take the the desire to use away from me and please surround me with positive people that will keep me on the right path. And He really did. So when I went to this rehab, um, this was the third rehab that I've been to. Um, we had the town show, like you said, and I wasn't planning on doing anything, but f- something came over me, and at the, right before it was over, I asked my counselor, I said, hey, can you put this um, song on, um, just the instrumental? And I got up, and I and I, I remember the lyrics, but I changed the lyrics to make it recovery-based, and um, I was, like, really into it, and get the, the crowd was just loving it, and... Um, at the end, I, I put the mic on the ground, and they just went nuts. And I said, "You know what? This is this is it. This is I I gotta I gotta give recovery a try before I die." That was the last verse that I said. And and it, it was at that point that you decided that you were going to change once and for all. It, the light came on. Yeah, and you know, I have a friend in recovery. He says, you know, I I've done all these things. I've gone a hundred and ten percent to to use drugs. Well. I might as well go 110% in recovery, and then, hey, if it, if it fails, at least I, I say that I tried, but, um, you know, it's like this. We used to go down to Philadelphia to get drugs in, in a snowstorm. Well, now, we'll go to an AA meeting or go to the mosque when it's in a snowstorm. And at the point you decided that you were going to stop, you probably were a little bit confused, wondering, well, how am I going to do this? Because... The drug life is all that I know. What you know? What steps did you take uh, to finally make that change and then keep that change, preventing you to slide back? I changed everything, Robert. Um, when I first got out, I went right to the mosque. I got a new phone number. I changed my social media account. I deleted all the old friends that I used to use with, and uh, I started going to AA meetings, and I got my, my phone number, my phone, now my contacts, 100% is all either mosque-related, recovery-related, or self-improvement. Uh, uh, everybody in my phone, I could, if I was in a pinch, I could call, and they would come help me. They would drop everything they would do and, and come help me. Unlike friends that you had in the life where they were just users and takers like yourself. <laughs> Couldn't even right? get a dollar from them. Exactly. We got a call at 833-707-7900. Who's this? Yeah, last time you were on, we didn't have calls. We got calls today. All right. Go ahead. Who's this? Steven. Go ahead. What's up? Okay. Just a, I'm not a clinician, but this helped uh, Hunter Biden and two of my friend's kids about 20 years ago. It's called Ibogaine. Did you ever hear of that? Ibogaine? No. Um, I'm not familiar with it. Okay, it's Iboga root from Africa, and basically Joe Rogan did a special on it. It was really good. Uh, it resets your neurons in your brain. It works on multiple addictions, including alcohol. I think it's a class one. You can't get it in the United States. They did some experimental uh, things out in Oakland illegally. 
our uh, Secretary Levine gave us uh, safe injection sites instead. I think this is a better approach. I definitely agree with that. You know, um, it's almost like the government um, wants the general public to be um, stoned and uh, addicted to drugs, so they don't they don't realize all the corruption that's going on at and the top. And it's they're easily more, they're easily controlled that way. Any other thing for Patrick? Well, I okay. I work in New York, and okay, I've been going to New York for fifty years. I never smelled pot on the streets like now. They have recreational drug dispensaries, which uh, our society is beyond dystopian at this point. George Orwell would have to change his shorts if he saw what was going on today. He would say, I told you so. Okay. Thanks, (laughs) man. Have a good one. Thanks. All right. Thank you for the call. So let's talk more about the solutions. All right. Uh, First and foremost, you must give an effort every day to stay clean. It doesn't happen by itself. No, um, in my religion and also in, in the in the AA or NA program, 12-step programs, you cannot do it alone. You have to have a support group. Um, obviously, I rely on God first. I ask for His help every morning, five times a day. Um, and if you look at the 12 steps of, of the, the big book, AA and NA, it's a spiritual program. Um, it begins with the first step of admitting the problem, but the last step is having a spiritual awakening. As a result of these steps, you carry the message to other suffering alcoholics, and you try to practice those principles in all of your affairs every day. And they do address spirituality. I was surprised to read them, and it was a good thing that they are in there. Right. They... Um, they they were very smart in how they worded it because a lot of people in early recovery, they're afraid of God or they shun God or they blame God. They, they, they're allergic to the God word. And um, it's just finding a higher power. It doesn't have to be um, God. You could be spiritual or it doesn't matter what religion, but um, you definitely feel um, a heavenly presence when you go into the rooms. Um, everybody there wants to help. Um, everybody, you know, is on the same page as far as trying to improve their life. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the the actor Danny Trevio. I th- I don't know if it said his name wrong, but um, he was uh, involved in some heavily unsavory activities his whole life. And uh, when he got clean, he decided to go to AA because when he was using, he he burst into a, a room that was a AA meeting. And he thought it was a party, but he said that the feeling that he got from those people, he just felt welcome and um, everybody was happy. And that's what he wanted. He sought that out when he got out, and that's what helped him stay clean. So there are uh, very good and legitimate forms and avenues of recovery for everybody. This is Don't Bring Up God. My name is Robert. We're here every Sunday from 8 to 9 on WAEB 790 AM. Uh, and we got a podcast. I put all these shows on the podcast. All you got to do is go to pavlinskypoems.com and tap that little button that says DBUG Podcast. You can't miss it. Uh, pavlinskypoems.com. That's P-A-V-L-I-N-S-K-Y Poems. You could also just simply search uh, Don't Bring Up God Podcast, and it will come up on several different venues. I'm here with Patrick, and he's talking about how he beat drug addiction. And he's a good, fine, honest example for all of us, because it can be done. Sometimes it seems so helpless, but it's not. So solutions, you, you talked about uh, creating happy, uh, happy, yeah, they are happy. Yeah, healthy but, habits. Right, happy, healthy habits, working out and exercising, sports, hobbies, setting goals and aspirations. That's all a must. Yeah, uh, gratitude journal is a big one. Um, I forgot to discuss that earlier. Um, I try to do this every night is write at least 10 things that I'm grateful for. And uh, I think in both of our religions that if you're grateful that God will give us more. Um, listening to um, self-improvement podcasts was big for me. I get to do that at work. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, and also, like you said, with the habits, um, growing up as a kid, I always played sports. I love sports and working out. And um, when I got heavy into my addiction, um, I kind of lost my way with that. Didn't really follow anything except football a little bit here and there. But now that I'm clean, you know, it's like um, 
I'm so into baseball and basketball again and um, trying to teach my my stepson how to play sports and it's just uh, it's just like being a kid all over again you know and um, I, I, I really want to stress to the listeners um, that exercise is is really crucial to somebody in early recovery because the the when you use drugs it it sets off your your neuron receptors your dopamine levels and it, it it gets it all out of whack so the quickest way to get that back in working order is exercise and it, there's been scientific studies that show that when you when you do f- like cardiovascular exercise for instance it will regulate your brain and release more endorphins than any drug will and that's and that's in a healthy way. Healthy mind, healthy body, healthy body, healthy mind. It works together. Yes. It goes hand in hand. Now, also, you mentioned before, helping others, doing something that helps others, taking the focus off your, your yourself. That's important. Absolutely. Yeah, it teaches that in our religions, too. In the, and in the 12-step program, that, that is that is crucial. It's the backbone of the program. Um I would say that there is no greater high, so to speak, than helping another person that truly needs the help and wants the help. Um, I've I've had the opportunity to help several people um, when I got out, help them with whatever they need, jobs, um, bus passes, uh, you know, just helping them try to get on the right path and um when you it's like you see the light go on in their head um they come alive and it's just it's just so immensely beautiful and you got to block out old friends stop going to the regular hangouts you need the positive influences yeah you you just got to change everything um yeah and uh another good thing is um positive self-talk or affirmations you know i have them written all over my bathroom wall, uh, my locker at work, you know, um, repeating them. And so it gets embedded into your subconscious mind. You know, when we're addicted to drugs, we're complete opposites. We're, you know, always thinking negatively and everything is doom and gloom. And uh, you just, you know, you are what your your thoughts are. You know, you have to you have to feed your brain. Your brain is hungry for positive things, and that's how you got that's how you got to start. And the spiritual verses, like you just said, is very important, and they should be up in your room, in your car. Uh, read them morning and night. The repetition is very very necessary. Some even tattoo a verse on their skin, on their forearm, wherever they used to inject, trying to remember and tell them can't do this and have faith in God Almighty. Yes. Uh, I have a friend at work who's uh, he's in, in the recovery as well. And uh, it's funny you mentioned tattoos. He's actually getting them removed. Um, but he had a sleeve that, you know, was was covering up his, his marks or whatever. But he um, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, we're both on the, um, all about self-improvement. And um, we bounce each ideas off each other all the time and uh he's just a great friend and um these are the types of people that you have to surround yourself with if you want to have a chance to to overcome this addiction anyone that has input on this drug and alcohol addiction discussion feel free to call i mean we all have experiences in this one way or another call at 833-707-7900 so patrick you went from a drug life uh, living one huge lie, because all you do is lie and surround those lies around feeding yourself with these drugs. And now you live totally honest with the truth. Yes. Yeah, the bitterest truth is greater than the sweetest lie. And that's what you're doing in addiction. You're lying to yourself. You know, God doesn't want us to to be addicted to drugs or drink all the time, get drunk. He wants us to be a man, handle our responsibility, raise our children, do the right thing, make the world a better place. And uh, you can't do any of that if, you, if you're lying to yourself. You have to be honest. And, and God knows everything that we do. You know, he knows our, our deepest inner thoughts. And... Um, it, it, it helps you stay accountable knowing that, you know, God, God is with you all the time and um, writing down your deeds at, at all times. So what happens when the desire to use comes back from time to time? How do you handle that? Because I know you told me a story about helping out a friend and you found his stash right there in front of you. Yeah, so uh, I was able to flush it down the toilet, but 
um, he had a lot of stuff, and um, I ended up stumbling upon another stash, a much bigger stash, and um, you know that was a temptation. I thought, you know, not not to use, but maybe maybe I could sell this and get some extra money. And uh, I reached out to my friend who I just was talking about, and he said, "Dude, you got to flush that down the toilet right away." And I said, "You know what? You're right." And um, the reason I we bring this up is because when you get tempted like that, you have to talk about it. You have to, you have to, you have to have your support group. You have to, to, um, talk, talk about, you know, how you feel and, and what you should do. And, and these people that you surround yourself with, these positive people are gonna, they're going to help you through the, the situation. And, and, and God, of course, you know, you could say that that's a test from God, but, um, if I didn't have a positive support group, you know, who knows, maybe I would have decided to, to go back to to that you said that the temptation and desire to do the drugs again comes from satan attempting to block you from god and his love yeah i 100 um so i believe that you know shaitan or the devil they they will whisper evil thoughts into your heart and he's he's always gonna try to to um mislead you from the path of god and as long as you keep God in your heart, and um, there's a there's a prayer that that I say, uh, I won't re- recite it in Arabic. People won't understand it, but um, it like evicts the the devil out of your body for until you know he's always going to be there. That's why you have to constantly be in prayer and meditation, stu- study scripture, and um, that that's what I believe. And um, some some people will say that that aren't as religious based as me will be like, Oh, it's just the human nature or whatever. Well, I believe that, that it's, it really is an evil thing. Um, because like I said before, God doesn't want us to be, you know, using intoxic intoxicants and, and alcohol. He wants us to, to do the right thing and be sober because that stuff blocks us from God. We can't be the child of God. He wants us to be with that nonsense. Absolutely. Have you repaired the relationship that uh, was broken and destroyed because of your drug addiction uh, relationships, especially your mom and dad? It's a work in progress, Robert. Um, my father, he's always been there for me. Um, we talk almost daily. Um, and it, uh, I want to take this opportunity to, to say um, when I... When my grandfather passed away, um, I was really, really lost, and because um, I was really close to him, and uh, this was before I had converted to Islam, and uh, I guess God sent me an angel, um, somebody I met. Uh, she just beautified the religion for me, um, piqued my interest, and it started. It started me on the right path. I, I still had some, a lot of, to a lot of bumps in the road, but. Um, my mother, especially, um, I know she's still very angry with me, and and rightfully so. Like I said before, I did a lot of disgraceful things, but um, I believe that as long as I continue to do the right thing, eventually she will come around, God willing. Death of a loved one can destroy, whether whether you're using or not, it can destroy your mind and your life. Yeah, I was really close to my grandfather, and... Um, you know, I just handled it the wrong way, but um, yeah, de- death is always hard to deal with. You know, uh, it's human nature, and and I uh, I've had, like I said earlier in the show, two of my really close friends passed away from drug addiction, and um, instead of that being a wake up call to me, it drove me deeper into addiction, and um, that's I just want people to understand how powerful the drugs can be. Um, especially with the heroin, when someone would overdose and die, um, we would say, oh, well, how many bags did he do? Oh, he did four bags. Well, oh, okay, well, yes, uh, what kind uh, of bags? We'll just do three, and we'll get really high. Yeah, that, that's the type of it, thinking. It was his that, error. He just did too much. Yeah. Hey, hey, we got a call at 833-707-7900. Free, feel free to join and jump in the pool with us. Who's this? Robert and Patrick. Yeah, I'm going to say things very quickly. Mary Pinchall Meyer connected to Robert, uh, John F. Kennedy up in uh, Milford, Pennsylvania. Uh, she had connections with Timothy O'Leary, Harvard University, 
and she was uh, used as a person to introduce our politicians to acid and LSD and so on, and this came from Harvard's Timothy O'Leary turn off, turn on. So when you brought up schools, right there you have one of the poison ivy indoctrination camps uh, using a high-powered person, the Pinchaws, which were also responsible for parks and, and gobbling up land across this country. And uh, basically what I'm saying there is this is much bigger, and I'm so glad you guys are talking about it because there's so many children, kids, teenagers, people out there that are lost. Uh, along life's path because there are so many temptations that are deliberately placed to prevent people uh, from being everything that they can be. Uh, so with that said, uh, keep on keeping on, guys, and good job there, Patrick. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah, if I could just piggyback off that real quick. Um, it, it, it's... It's disgraceful what the government is doing to this country um, with the open borders, with how they closed down the our places of worship during COVID, and how they're trying to remove um, God from every part of society. I don't know if you caught um, uh, the quarterback from the Houston Texans after a big playoff win. They they interviewed him and and he right away he gave his praise to God and. Um, on the replays on ESPN and all that, they, they took that part out. And it, stuff like that is just disgraceful. And, and I, I would urge everybody to um, pay attention to what your, your children are learning in school. And, um, you know, we, we, can, we can fight back with lawfare. You know, we can, we can, we can file lawsuits against these, against these radical DAs that are deteriorating our, our country. And um, we just have to stay vigilant and, and just be... Uh, be on our toes all the time because it's it's really it's really a shame what 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 what's going on right now it's a fight and we have to defend ourselves and our families this is don't bring up god my name is robert here every sunday morning from eight to nine on waeb 790 am i'm here with patrick who went through this devilish hellish experience of drug addiction and he's coming out on the other side uh, we talked about a lot of different things, uh, in particular his parents. Patrick, um, from your heart, what do you want to tell your mother? Just that um, that I love her, that I'm so grateful for the way that her and my father raised me, and uh, I hope that she sees that I'm doing good and that I continue will, will to do my best and to always do the right thing, and hopefully one day we can be together like Joseph was reunited with his brothers. Have you asked for forgiveness? Yes, uh, I ask. I ask. Uh, I ask it from God every day, but I don't try to reach out to her right now because she's still very angry. But um, I try to. My dad is kind of like the mediator, so. And you love them? Uh, absolutely. And it's not their fault. No, definitely not. You know, they like I said before. Uh, a lot of my friends that I grew up with, they had a reason to use drugs or alcohol. You know, they grew up not even knowing who their father was, or they were divorced, or they were adopted, or they had a, a crazy crisis. Um, I had none of that. Um, my parents, they, they gave me a lot of love and support. Like I said, they kept me involved in sports. They took us on vacations. You know, they, they, taught, they taught me everything that I, I needed to know to become a man. When was the last time you hugged your dad or mom? Uh, well, I... My dad, me and him, we went to a Phillies game, uh, first playoff game I've ever been to, but um, it's been a long time since uh, I've hugged my mother. I would love to do so soon. We talked about the uh, Alcoholic Anonymous things, the group there with the 12 steps and so forth, and you know, I, I hope they help, but I, I question some of their tactics. Uh, for instance, I never liked how people introduce themselves and say, Hi, my name is so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is so-and-so, I'm a drug addict. Is that necessary and helpful? Well, I want to say overall the program has been like a supplement. Like I said, um, in my journey, for me, what's worked is my religion. However, um, the the 12-step program has helped um, just having, having a support group. But I agree with the with the power of words is very important. Um, uh, if people are familiar with Tony Robbins, uh, he I think me and him agree on this. When you say that you're you're 
almost reinforcing a negative thing in your subconscious saying, oh, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict. Well, I'm also a son, I'm a brother, I'm a stepdad, you know, uh, I'm a positive member of the community. And, um, but it, it is just one small thing that, that may be a little negative, but I think overall the 12-step program is good. However, I do agree with you on that. What about people who have become clean who record how long they've been sober and actually celebrate the anniversaries? Do you do, you do that, and is that helpful? Well, I mean, I my two-year anniversary I did, I got a coin. I, I guess that was a big deal, but like you said before, um, constantly um, bringing that up to me, I think it's just you got to get over it. It's... it's um, I know some people that are in the the program won't agree with me, but um, you know it, it's good that we we overcame this. But you know it's time to move on with your life, and um, I I'm not one of those people that be like, oh well, I have 463 days clean. You know, it's like I don't know. That's just how I feel about and, it. And and that's how I feel. I, I'm just thinking, wouldn't it be much better for people to put the whole drug and alcohol tragedy behind them and forget forget about it and move on, like you said. And you can still realize and admit to yourself that every day of your life, you cannot have one drink or any drugs. That rule is still in place and will never change. But how about getting rid of all the other hoopla surrounding that fact? Don't allow alcoholism and drug addiction to define you. You're so much better than that. Absolutely. And uh, I just wanted to say, too, on another note, um, I think alcohol is is more difficult to overcome than drug addiction because it's, it's accepted, almost expected in our society. Every major um, benchmark in our life... Uh, a graduation, a wedding, a funeral, you know. This, thank you. It's, thank you It's for this. always there. And, um, you know, you can't watch a football game without every other commercial being a, a, a liquor or beer commercial. So it's the the alcoholics in, in particular, they, they really have a tough time because it's, it's just everywhere. So everything we talked about today pertains to alcoholism also. Yeah. I Like when I go to a meeting, even though my drug of choice is... Uh, I don't like that drug of choice either. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're almost glorifying it. Right. So it's like, um, for instance, if if I if I were to feel like you know what I could I could smoke some pot or I could have a drink. Um, I know myself that by the end of the night I'm going to be craving the harder stuff. So I just leave it all alone. I don't touch it at all. And that's that's how you got to approach it. We got a call at eight three three seven zero seven seventy nine hundred. Who's this? Hey, morning, it's Joe. Go ahead. What's up? Hey, you know, um, Stu, Stu hit on something really important, and obviously everything going on in the world, the open borders, Patrick mentioned, but, you know, it, it's the supply is part of the problem, right? Because, you know, Chinese Communist Party supplying uh, fentanyl with the drug cartels, and, and, I mean, look at how many shipments they're flying and how deadly fentanyl is and how it's being laced into everything. Uh, it, it, it's part of a socialist, communist, Marxist, fascist regi- regime that they try to take God out of society, and they want to become God, in a sense, to control the people. It's pure, purely satanic. And you, you see, that's what's going on with our country. Um, all, all the all the young folks uh, dying from fentanyl being laced and everything. So it, it, there really needs to be a spiritual war on drugs, so to speak. And then, you know, I mentioned it before, like in Revelation, it talks about sorceries. Well, when you work, look up that Greek word, it's pharmakia. So what do, what do drugs do? Drugs open up the spiritual realm and connect you to the spiritual realm, and they're never good. It's never the Holy Spirit, right? Um, That's that's very true. It it opens up portals to Satan and and the devil himself. Do you have any direct questions for Pat? Do you have any direct questions for Patrick? No, um, other than, you know, is he aware of anyone, you know, fighting this war on the supply part of it? I mean, I, I, I have come across lostvoicesoffentanil.org. You may want to look into that, um, because obviously that needs to be addressed, too, as the source. Okay, thank you for the call. 
Yeah, it's it, a battle larger than we even know. He he hit, hit the nail on the head, um, 100%. Um, the solutions, I guess, the faith leaders of this country need to come together. And uh, I, I I strongly believe that the government is is in bed with these people, with the with the cartels, and and facilitating the 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 flow of the drugs into our cities. I mean, uh, look at Philadelphia now. You know, they have, you know, people. People are just living on the street. It's just terrible, and um, there it starts from the top. And um, we really need to do something about it because it, it's definitely a major um, issue right now yeah, in the, the country. Gov- the government's not going to do us any favors. God will. We have right. We have to. We have to rely on God first, and we have to do our due diligence. And we we can't expect them to to help. They're just making the problem worse. What's this? What's the deal about this uh, suboxone? What's your opinion on that? So, um, I know a few people that have gotten off the heroin. What Suboxone is, is it, it helps the physical um, cravings and, and sickness if you're all addicted to heroin. It'll stop you from being sick, and it also will block you from uh, getting high. So, if you take the Suboxone, you won't feel the withdrawal symptoms, but you also, if you try to do heroin while you're on it, you won't feel the heroin. So I have a mixed bag with that because um, I've I just feel like you're just replacing one drug with the other, and if if you just go to rehab and 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 detox um, under medical care, you'll get the physical um, problem done with, and then then it's just on you to change everything about you mentally, spiritually, physiologically, uh, socially. Um, I just um, it it does work for some people, but. Um, have, I think if you really, caution. yeah, have caution for for sure, and um, you re- you really, uh, it's I think it's just better just to uh, not use it if you don't have to. But I understand that there are situations where it 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 may be a better solution for somebody, at least who, temporarily. Yeah, like if if somebody's using heroin heavily and they're using you know a bundle a day, which is which would equate to ten bags. A day, um, they're not going to be able to to function to go to work without it. Now, I before I got into the meth, I tried quitting heroin on my own with Suboxone, but I didn't have a prescription from a doctor. I bought it off the street, and it didn't work. You know. And let's all remember that God is our healer. God in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament were healers, and that means spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, even financially, always pray to be healed. Yes, yes. That's our best bet. We need to do that first and foremost. Yeah, every day, Robert, every morning before the sun rises, you know, I'm prostrating to my creator. Hey, did you uh did you ever start of did you ever think of starting a podcast and <laughs> and and uh you know, uh talking about what we what we just talked about for the last hour. You're very good at it. You're very persuasive and your energy level and the you almost have a glow in your face that you feel so good doing it. You, you think that might be a calling for you somehow? You know, th- we need it. We need young people like you. I mean, you're still young. Uh, you ever think about that? It's amazing that you say that. Yes, I have. Um, my friend, uh, rest in peace, Quadir, uh, he passed away from a fentanyl overdose. Um, our whole lives, we were... Um, partying, getting high together, and uh, the last time I spent with him, we were both in jail at the same time, and uh, we were both sober for a little bit, and we just talked about all the crazy experiences we had, and he had said that he wanted to do a podcast. Now, this was about four years ago, and he said, you know, we could just talk about anything, you know, sports, news, music, and, you know, we'll just, it'll be fun, and maybe... Maybe it is a, a calling, and maybe I can yeah, I honor think, him by doing that. Yes, I think you should take. I think you should take that seriously and take that negative uh, energy and make it positive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a lot to say about other things too. <laughs> so let's sum it up. Uh, if there was a person addicted uh, to drugs in this very room, what advice would you give that person? Well, if if he needed to go to rehab, if it was a a physical thing I would encourage him to go to rehab or at least detox and then as soon as he got out the first thing he needs to do is go to a meeting or go to a place of worship and I would I would take him you know to the grocery store take him to the gym um, 
give him some positive books to read. Show and, him a non-drug life. And I would tell him, here's my number. Call me anytime. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. If you need something, give me a call. Okay, we got a quick call. Who's this? Hey, it's Paul. All right, you got 20 hey. seconds. <laughs> hey, hey, Patrick. Great job. You too, Rob. I think a podcast would be awesome, even if you kind of like hooked together the first time. But thank you for everything that you shared. I think it's so very important. And uh, so thankful that you turn things around. Thank you again. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too. I appreciate the call. Thank you for the call. Uh, last remarks. Anything? I want you and your mom back together again. All, uh, all praise and thanks love. are to God. And yes, I, I second that thought. I want that love bond to reunite. Inshallah, God willing. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for being here. You got a lot to say and keep saying it. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it. All roads lead back to God. Tyler, we love you. We'll see you again. Listen on your free iHeartRadio app for all your music, radio, and podcasts.